0: Hello everyone and welcome back to the 16mm film crew. I'm Cindy. And I'm Dale. You can watch us on YouTube. You can like and comment on our YouTube videos and subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can support us on Anchor. You can listen to us everywhere podcasts are found at 16mm film crew podcast. Leave us a rate and review and visit us on our website at www.16mmfilmcrew.com. This week we reviewed Causeway 2022. Here is your synopsis. Lindsay, a U.S. soldier, experiences a traumatic brain injury during her tour in Afghanistan, which forces her to return home. She struggles to return to her daily life with her mother as she waits for her eventual redeployment. This movie stars Jennifer Lawrence, who also produced it, and Brian Tyree Henry. This movie is directed by Leela Nugentbauer. Okay, Dale, so tell us your thoughts about this film.
1: Um, I want to say this is, I don't know. It's kind of odd. I don't want to kind of say it was a um unexpected performance from um Jennifer Lawrence. You know, before she kind of um she got kind of got strapped to the rocket ship it was being the Holly, Holly was hit girl for a while. She with X Men and Hunger Games. She was really known for doing a lot of really good indie picks. Um, so it's always it's good to see her come back to the element. Um. But this performance kind of reminds me of her stuff with um the uh Bradley Cooper that kind of thing. It was almost like the same subject matter. people with like mental issues or disabilities in what way, and they kind of find a commonality. But I do think her performance in here was much stronger. That, I guess that also involves her maturity as an actor, and especially props to her and um I can see why um byron uh, uh, Brian Tyree Henry was nominated. For performance in this movie because it clearly shows that they had chemistry and you know they, they said you know of course this movie was originally shot in 2019 but and because of the hurricane and then the pandemic they kind of froze production for a while on in, in the midst of that they were still workshopping the script together so it feels like that time they spent you know actually still going over the script in the midst of other projects during that time really helps strengthen their performance in this movie
0: yeah, I think this is the best Jennifer Lawrence performance I've seen in years. Like it's been a really long time for before or since I've seen one of her better performances in like the um, what late 2010s. Um, but I do agree. I, I think this was very reminiscent of like the indie project that she did before she got attached to hunger games and x-men but also the stuff that she did kind of in between those films like silver lining playbook and stuff like that like i felt like the character was very grounded and also because jennifer's older now it feels like she brought like you said a lot of that maturity to the role um and i do agree i think that jennifer and brian had a really great chemistry um do i think it's Oscar nominated great. Mm, I don't know about that, but I do think it was good. Um, (laughs) I think I've seen him do better in other things, and maybe, but that's not really um, speaking to his performance. I think that's just more of like what the script kind of allowed him to give. Mm -hmm. Um, It was good, but either way, I'm happy he has a nomination. So fine. Uh, But yeah, I did like this movie a lot though. I thought that, um, it had a lot to say about things that maybe kind of go unnoticed, especially if you're not in one of those situations where, you know, just the desire to not, to like leave your hometown, do your own thing. Um, especially when you've grown up with trauma or just parents who weren't really around, like the desire to leave and seek a life outside of that is something I know I could relate to. Um, and I liked how the information was revealed as you continued to watch the film. I thought they did a good job with kind of keeping certain things secret until kind of a pivotal moment. Um, and there were a number of scenes that were really good at just kind of drawing out those moments. I will say, I think the ending was really abrupt. I didn't, expected to end so suddenly like that without any kind of even like hint of a resolution or like next steps so that was kind of jarring for me but overall I did think that this movie was pretty good actually I liked it
1: yeah I do I, I don't think you're right the um the ending was kind of I think a little bit jarring in a way mm. Um, basically it just kind of goes hey I want to move back in with you after you know that awkward thing of kind of what are we as a relationship you know kind of thing. Um, I kind of don't like the fact that that actually happened in the movie because I'm kind of I I kind of am not a fan of course. You know, I like I will admit I do love um rom coms and romance movies. I'm not gonna deny that you know that as part of watching a lot of classic movies with my mother, a lot of classic movies tend to be during that vein. Um, but the fact that, you know, they were both leading, out of, like like the director even mentioned, they were talking about the title, of the, the word Causeway. Causeway is kind of where, spoiler, I know everybody's kind of, we're watching this movie as, you know, since it's Grammy, nom- 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 not Grammy, Oscar nominated, um, but it was named Causeway because A, that's where by, uh, um, Brian Tyree Henry's character is as accident, but it's also Causeway as far as uh-huh. Um, like the, act, the actual road and kind of describing their both their journey to becoming from healing from their um, issues um, and I'm not a fan of when these when two characters or two people are kind of um, it does happen in real life but I'm kind of not a fan of movies when two people lean on each other for emotional support and then you know through the crux of the movie they kind of fall in love um, mm. I, I would have really kind of appreciated it more if they kind of maintained that friendship You know, it probably would have been a much more fulfilling ending for me. I'm kind of tired of, hey, we both have, you know, both mental issues. Now we want to be together. You know, I'm kind of like, I think that's very trite and, you know, annoying to me.
0: Yeah, I just, that's like, like the main element that I really didn't like in this film. Because there is a scene that kind of explicitly tells you that she's not even into men. Yeah. So why the kiss happened at all was kind of surprising. But then I think, I don't know, it's kind of confusing when I think about these, when you, when you're adding kind of queer elements into stories, because I don't know if the intention was to show that sexuality is complicated and you might be sexually attracted to someone, but emotionally attracted to another gender. And that can be confusing or this is the only way I know how to express any type of comforting, you know, emotion towards you. You know, I feel bad for your situation. So this is the only way I can show that I feel bad for you in in that way. Or if it was just straight up queer baiting, like, I don't know what exactly it was, but I definitely did not like it. And I was like, I really hope they don't do this. (laughs) And then they did it. And there were sort of consequences to that. But also it was just like, I didn't, yeah, I just don't understand where that came from or why it ended up happening in the first place, but I'm kind of hoping, maybe I'm giving the film too much credit, I'm kind of hoping that it was just, like, an accident, like, in the moment, I just did this, I'm not really, I don't really want that kind of relationship, and then moving back in or asking to move in with you is to have the relationship that you described, which is more like a brotherly, sisterly relationship, where when you were describing that type of relationship that you had with your sister, it was very much just like hanging out, you know, building that friendship and not anything romantic or sexual. So And
1: that's that's the thing I do like, like we have to, this movie kind of does a weird thing of describing like intimacy and the relationships at that, at that point. Um, um, when he's talking about, you know, just having somebody in the house, someone to be with, you know, in the house, that necessarily doesn't mean a relationship. It just means just you want company. Like, there are plenty of times I can remember in college, you know, I'm hanging out with my friends or whatever, and we're all doing something different. It's just the fact that we're around each other. And then for that to somehow become a, her, her, I guess, inferencing it's a relationship kind of thing, it's kind of, you know, really weird i I do think the movie could have done a better job in describing and and selling those um communal aspects of relationship like it kind of went just from hey i want somebody with you know community and then right just full steam head hey i love you kiss me kind of thing so Mm -hmm. i do feel i still feel that that part was honestly part probably the weakest point of the writing for the movie.
0: Yeah, I agree because I feel like you don't really even get to see men and women be friends that much in film or me or television or like any type of media. It's always romantic in some sense, or even if it doesn't start off that way, it always ends up that way. So yeah. I was kind of hoping that they wouldn't do that in this one, um, and then they kind of did. It's like they kind of did, and they kind of didn't. Like they tried to step in it and then try to step out of it, and it was a little, yeah, definitely weird. Definitely the weakest part of the whole thing. For me too
1: but yeah i mean I, I i do like i love the like uh brian actually talks about a lot in his interviews dealing with this movie um of course this movie was shot initially in 2019 and he was like i think he's mentioned dealing with the death of his mother at that time he talks in interviews as how this interview this movie was also helped him with his healing process and kind of you know not be as guarded as he usually is as an actor or as a person, um, because he said before when he was like his career, was just building every new thing he'd talk to his mom. Like his mom was that was that linchpin for him. You know, he was his, his community, his anchor in a way. I mm-hmm. um, it's kind of, and he said uh, the character, um, his character in the movie and him in real life kind of parallel. And it kind of helped him, you know, cause you know, his characters talking about being an amputee and, you know, you know, causing the death of his uh, nephew and stuff like that. And that grieving process, Brian also credits uh allowing back to heal as a person. And I think that when when you as an actor are in a way kind of emotionally uh, tied to your character in a degree, I do think that really strengthens. Like when you find like every like it's like when you're watching a movie, you kind of everybody pick something that they relate to really strongly and i do think when that happens for actors there's something that just clicks on screen where their lines become blurred where they're not embodying a character or being themselves just becomes really blurred and their performances are so much better for it
0: yeah definitely i think this that's how i would describe this movie is just like deeply personal Mm -hmm. um not only to i guess the person who wrote the script, but also to the actors who were portraying the characters, you could definitely see that. And I like that it felt so grounded. Like these are people that you can actually imagine being in the world, versus like I don't know some hyper, I don't know, glamorized or whatever character who seems so far away from your actual reality. That was one of the things that really that I liked about this movie is that there were so many things that I could personally relate to. Like it got a little too real. I was like, well, yeah, that's <laughs> like. I completely understand where you're coming from so yeah that definitely helped i think that helped the performances but also like as an audience member it helped me connect with the movie a lot more
1: yeah like and i, I do love the fact of you know one one praising point i do appreciate the end is uh uh, uh Lindsay jennifer lawrence's character um hmm. her evolution as a person um realizing she just wanted to go back into the military and realizing or um um engineer corps so that's where she was to slowly um realizing that that's not her place in a way you know she was like the kind of movie goes in depth she's kind of there to escape her home um and that just becomes full circle by her as i decided to move in with um uh brian's character but i do love that growth it's like because as people we kind of become so what's the word hyper focused on the things we want we don't realize how probably detrimental it was for them and i do like that lesson of you know your your the doctor is saying what caused her uh ptsd and what caused issues for her he thinks it's combat and she goes for her what if causing this issue she's staying home you know, mm. and she goes about that whole um, character arc and she decides to visit her brother. And I do think that was the touching, like, kind of reminded me a bit of Coda, where they didn't have, if you didn't initially have subtitles on, you didn't get what they were saying. You mm. know, so uh, I do love the fact what they do, those little touches where if, to do, um, it kind of puts you in the hands of, like... Not telling you, hey, this is what people are sign- signing straight off. You actually have to go back and put on closed captioning to actually figure it out. Um, I, do, I do love that, that touch when they do stuff like that for um, hearing disabled or the, the, that kind of community. When they put those little elements and touches on those characters for to put the audience in those spaces. Like you, It's awkward. I can't hear and I don't know what you're saying now. You're not going to notice. I love those touches like that. But I do love um, her arc as a person in this movie
0: yeah it was really good and i totally related to that portion of the film where it's like when things at home just don't feel comfortable then they feel a little turbulent like you just want to leave yeah but then you realize like actually there are people who need you where you're at and like maybe you're there for a reason like more than recuperating and like trying to get better your presence actually makes a difference in those individuals lives. And so maybe trying to leave is more selfish than actually staying in something that isn't comfortable, but growing from that and actually learning to love that position or learning to just get whatever you can from what, from being in that place at that time. And I thought that was just so well executed. Um, because another one, another thing that I really liked was the fact that New Orleans is a character in the film. Yeah. And New Orleans has gone through so much, like so much in the, <laughs> in these last couple of years, like it really has. But I like that it wasn't filmed as like a place that had been struggling, but that the character of the city and kind of, I guess, the scars of like what the city has gone through was looked on very lovingly. And I don't know, like when they go to get the ice cream or like the the ice, what is it? The ice thing? Snow cones. The snow cones. Yeah. Um, And you see like all the black ladies just sitting out front and, you know, James, or the character Brian plays, is like saying hello to everyone. And it just feels like a really tight knit community. I just really liked those aspects of like, she's staying because like, she does love this place like her home maybe kind of up and down mom isn't really in the picture she's not really helping her out um but even that those scenes with her and her mother I thought that was really interesting of how you can like not have a good relationship with your mother but still love her all the same still want her to be there for you still want that approval um but yeah like she she does feel so tied to the city that ultimately, even though she is you know technically able to go back, um she doesn't want to because there is i don't know, there's like a tie like there's there's a she's like ingrained in you know her environment and the people there, and she like loves that, like the last scene in, with her going to the community pool like that just shows you, like you said, her growth over you know over um this entire film of her like wanting to leave immediately and then being willing to like dive in with a bunch of people in the pool, you know, it, I just really liked that. Cause I think that maybe, I don't know, maybe that's just like a part of growing up. Like you just want to get out of the house and like do your own thing. And then realizing like, Hmm, maybe there is something here for me that I wasn't really vibing with at first, but is important.
1: And, and, I, and I think what you described is perfect. Like, The fact that they did not show New Orleans as this like this scarred place, like the characters, you know, Lindsay and and James, they have scars, Mm -hmm. but the community, the community of New Orleans, it does not. And, you know, post uh, Katrina, we've had numerous docs, documentaries from people from New Orleans talking about their experiences and how they're the the energy and love and the community that was there before Katrina has not been the same the last couple of years during everything that's happened, and so I do feel like that was a wonderful thing for you know uh, Lydia to show New Orleans in that light of not being scar- being being whole, you know as how people from New Orleans still. Deal in the Orleans should still be lifted, and not just that. They didn't show like you know when they they shoot movies and they say this movie is you know, in Atlanta or New York. They kind of always go to the pretty spots, you mm-hmm. know, the spots everybody knows. They kind of mm-hmm. did like if you look at this movie, they really went into those the actual heartbeat areas of the communities. Like if if a movie is being shot in Atlanta, I can tell you they're just going to be like bucket and say it's that's the only part of Atlanta. Or yeah. if they say New York, they're going to spend most of their time in Times Square or Broadway or Greenwich Village. You mm-hmm. know, those kind of areas. They don't really go like Bronx or East Atlanta or those kind of actual communities where, you know, the soul of the community dwells in. So I do love this just this down-to-earth and real portrayal of New Orleans that they had in this movie.
0: Yeah. I really respected that. I was like, yeah, go to the hood. Like yeah. <laughs> You have to do that if you want to portrayed accurately i think yeah um is there any other notes about this little Fame? no i think it was interesting that this didn't get like a ton of pickup in terms of like conversations about like best films best performances blah blah, blah. like i think jennifer got some stuff but like in terms of like conversations about her performance in it. But in terms of the movie itself, I don't think it did like the rounds like these other films have. And I do wonder why that was because there are some issues with it, obviously. But overall, like this is a really good movie. Yeah, so I was just wondering, like, what happened there?
1: But yeah, I don't know. In- I, I think it's kind of because when you look at the movie at its core, when, when I say core, cool, I mean cinematography and stuff like that. It looks really simple and really real.
0: Mm-hmm. Like the makeup mm-hmm. was
1: done in a way where, you know, we you can tell if you've watched movies or you know the world, you know when an actor is wearing makeup to look like they're a regular person. But in this, this movie with Jennifer, because we've all seen photos of Jennifer, even when she's casual by herself walking around LA, she doesn't look like. How she did in this movie like it mm-hmm. this it, it, it felt like really real you know especially the stuff with uh with James character where I, I don't think if i'm correct me if i'm wrong i don't think brian um brian tyree henry is the amputee but the digital i think the, i don't think he is yeah no, but the digital, yeah. the digital effects as far as doing that and you know mm-hmm. those kind of things um i do the movie does like looking at the movie it feels like i took out my canon camera and like shot Took a picture like that's like and that's i I love movies like that where it's though this like i you know we love deacons you know we'll talk we'll talk about them all day long but when, i think when a movie just looks r- simple and it still captures real life that is just as beautiful as like the most you know the most perfected like like lighting cinematography setup you could take up when when you have those elements when those two departments still cinematography lighting people and they make the movie still feel like really real and lived in as far as the colors and tones where i can see myself like looking at um when they're in um james's living room i was like that 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 warmth and that the way it looks reminds me of just chilling in my my living room like, mm-hmm. I, like I thought that was so beautiful so I, I do question why it did not get you know the amount of buzz it might be due to it's not a negative thing it might be due to Jennifer Lawrence's involvement well because she was a producer and she's a lead actress Um, it might also be also because of the fact she's already won and been nominated for uh, it was an Oscar award I don't think I don't remember if she won or not but I do no, think that might have she won yeah so that might that might have been oh she won one so we can kind of you know Bypass bypass her on this one, so I don't know, but i thought I thought all that like the cinematography, you know the lining, those decisions I thought the, the the color palette in the movie uh was was so natural, and I, lo- mm. I loved it
0: yeah, I feel like yeah, I'm not really sure, maybe there was like uh you know there's a road to go down, I guess, when we talked about that before in terms of like actually getting films to in those spaces um campaigning. Um, and I don't think that was something that she was really interested in. I watched her conversation with Viola Davis and she said, like, she doesn't, she doesn't really want to like play the, like, oh, I need to sell this film kind of game. Like she's very much like, I'm just going to do the work. Um, as a producer though, I think you might have to think about that differently, but in terms of this, maybe I think this is like maybe the first film from her production studio. So I guess she'll learn that along the way, but um, I will agree and say that like, I loved how this was shot. Like being like those, there were certain shots where it's like, yes, I've walked those streets. Like I've been in houses that look like this. Like it again, felt just so natural. And I love movies like this. Like these kind of movies are the movies that got me into wanting to like care about the art of actually making movies. Overall, like when I was 12, I was watching movies like this. So I love these kinds of really intimate character studies, stories, where you're just like spending time with people talking and you're just like Mm -hmm. looking at their relationships and how they develop over the course of the film. Like, love stuff like this. So it is interesting that I didn't like do more, but maybe because Brian is dominated. hopefully people will look this up. And actually, you know, go see it. I mean it's on Apple T V, so like you can if you have it. But um yeah. Yeah. I hope people do because this movie is really
1: good. <laughs> yeah. Um and I like I do I do think maybe what affected its uh budget as far as, you know, like people think budget is really just actors. Actors do take up a bunch of budget, but, but what goes into budget is also your marketing and promotion. We Talked about it last week in regards to um, to Leslie, you know, mm-hmm. the producers behind it didn't want to put after a bomb to just reduce the budget for marketing and whatnot. But I do uh, reading up on the background of this movie. Um, it says in April 2021, following allegations of abuse, Scott Rudland stepped back as producer for the project. So I think maybe in that interim, you know, once he dropped out, that kind of push for mar- marketing wise kind of dried out. Um, to a degree. I mean, because it did have a limited release, you know, in October before ending up on um, Apple TV before Thanksgiving on November 4th of 2022. So maybe in that, that gap of losing a producer and him dropping out, maybe that did affect the promotion and, and marketing for this movie. Because honestly, I didn't really hear about it as far as October, like back in October or November, as far as, you know, as far as Buzz or anything for it when it was actually released. So
0: yeah i knew about it because like Jennifer lawrence and also just like because what and again i guess i guess that's what you're seeing depending on like what your interests are what your social media looking like is looking like because my social media was like from september onwards it was all festival stuff so like everything that played and then all the people i was watching on youtube were commenting on all of these film festivals so like you saw it here and there, like when it came yeah. out on Tribe, I'm um, not Tribeca, tri- Toronto. Like it yeah. came out on Toronto. Yeah. Um, I was like, oh, okay, cool. And then like, you would hear it like here and there, and then it would just, and then it kind of escaped your mind because other things are being peddled yeah. to you constantly, like tar and the whale, like constantly. So like, yeah. I think all of that might've drowned out this film and films like it. Cause I'm sure this isn't the only one. You know that was really good, but just kind of flew yeah. under the radar.
1: for feminism. And I think I think also it's not a shot against Jennifer Lawrence, but I don't think when people hear, "Oh, Causeway starring Jennifer Lawrence," you're kind of like, uh hmm. you know. So, mm-hmm. and that's and that's not to say we shouldn't watch projects tied to their, you know, the talent behind them because we just saw, uh Amsterdam and stuff, like, and and uh, Amsterdam had the same issue: amazing actors tied behind a horrible project, and this is kind of. The reverse, because Jennifer Lawrence is kind of like she rides that fence (laughs) on how people, you know, react to her. So I think maybe that I don't want to blame. I'm not blaming her, but I do think people's reaction. Oh, as Jennifer Lawrence would be kind of like, eh, I'm not really, you know, interested in seeing it. But yeah,
0: yeah, she has become weirdly like a divisive figure, and I didn't (laughs) see that coming. I was like, oh, people really don't like her, and I was like, okay. i don't know i never thought about it in the in that way like i felt like after the hunger games thing was over she kind of just didn't really exist in terms of like the things that i was interested in yeah. um for years so like i wasn't even like looking for this film either it's just that it kind of it just showed up and it just yeah. happened to be really good um but I did. But I guess in terms of like her persona and like people being interested in the stuff that she's making, I guess she has been kind of a figure of like she seems I like know, a polarizing figure, and I don't know where exactly I do, that came from.
1: But okay. I, I I know for me personally that opinion on her as an actor has kind of come from, um, of course, X Men franchise on how they kind of. Like after the um, what was it X Men First Class? How good mm-hmm. that went, and then at the time she did that, she was doing Hunger Games. As her profile increased, um, her character of Mystique became like the central driving force to the rest of the trilogy. And when you look at her performance compared to you have Hugh Jackman, you have James McAvoy, you have Michael Fassbender, you have other all these other auxiliary auxiliary characters, you have Nicholas Holt in the picture, and then they sort of saw oh. Everybody loves her in Hunger games, let's make her character the driving force and her performance as a driving force of the last two pictures was not, you know, strong. I do mm-hmm. think though that 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 particularly that project of the last two X movies are kind of why people are kind of iffy on Jennifer and view that as the soul the sole um body of her work, you know. So mm. but yeah.
0: Okay,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just theorizing because I know I kind of no, felt yeah. that way for me. So That's yeah,
0: totally fine. I felt like people yeah. didn't like her because they thought she was obnoxious and stuff. Like she had like a stick or whatever. And I guess the other movies that she had done, like Passengers, and what was that other one with Red Sparrow? Oh,
1: the movie? spy movie didn't I do well. It was R- Red Sparrow, yeah.
0: She did an amazing job in Mother by the way. Like if you guys haven't seen that Mother, she killed that role. So I'm sorry. I don't mean I didn't mean to go as far back as like I uh, I initially stated earlier in terms of her best performances. Mother was a great performance. I know people didn't like that film when they felt it was confusing and they people have very conflicting feelings about Darren Ar- Aronofsky as a director, but I will say she did an amazing job in that. So for me, it was never her ability to be a good actor. I always felt like she had that. Now, did she phone in some performances? Absolutely. And that might've been the issue. Like (laughs) there were definitely performances where she did not give her best. But I guess in these, again, smaller indie weird kind of movies, like that's where she does her best work for me. And I feel like this is where she actually should have been all along after you know after the hunger games thing i feel like this is where she should have stayed because to me this is her wheelhouse. like this is where she does her best work
1: yeah and and i'm not i can't knock her for like sort of being diverse that like divisive and cocky in a way because Mm. i think i think jennifer lawrence is like two years younger than me i think she's 23. Mm. and before x-men and hunger games her biggest project at the time was Winner's Winner, Bro- in the right. movie, Massive Critical Acclaim that came out 2010. Mm-hmm. So think about it. You're like 20, about what, 22 ish mm-hmm. when that movie comes out and then your next gig. Oh, I'm the lead character for this young adult fiction series, Hunger Games. And I'm also in, you know, the beginning stages of this whole, you know, Marvel's coming out with stuff, DC's coming out, you know, I'm involved in X-Men. And I'm making millions, I'm gonna be a little bit divisive and a little bit, you know, kind of reckless in a way, you know, when I talk. And I still, I think people still view her as that young person. Cause you throw, you throw, you put all that on a 20, a 20 something year old, you put it on me now. You're not gonna be able to tell me shit. So, and, and as she has grown as a person, like the person she was like five years ago, 10 years ago is not the person who she is now. And I right. do think people people are still holding like, oh, that's who she is as a person. Like, when was when she tripped? When she tripped at one of the one of the award shows, getting her Oscar, at, yeah. yeah, getting her Oscar, and everybody was kind of like, oh, why is she doing that? This is a serious moment. Why is she playing, playing things off for jokes and giggles? Like, she's still like in her twenties. Like at mm-hmm. that point, she's in in the real world. She would have been just graduating college, getting an office job, trying to navigate the office workspace she has to navigate the office workspace of hollywood with cameras in front of her 24 7 like she's gonna yeah. be she's gonna be like behaving like that so yeah
0: i just think that she didn't know how to be a star yeah you know like i don't know you know some per- I, I, the whole myth of like or maybe it's not a myth maybe it's actually true people being media trained and stuff like that but also like just back in the day when you were a celebrity, like your mystique was kind of everything. Like you didn't let people know who you really were. And then as time has gone on, authenticity has become the most important thing in terms of being a public figure. Yeah. And I think when she started, that she was still in that transition of like, you know, you had your traditional traditional um, movie stars and then you had this kind of new class of actors. And she is a person who was like, She was from Kentucky and like, she didn't, I think she stopped going to school after a while. Like she wasn't really like, she was very, very normal. And so trying to be famous or even know how to even navigate that stuff seemed like it was a very foreign thing for her. And she never actually kind of understood how to do it right. It always kind of seemed like whatever she did put off certain groups of people. And and so I, I understand and I actually felt for her a lot because like that's very difficult to know how to like navigate that when you are in your 20s. All of this, this stuff is new to you. You're getting so much attention and money. Like it's very confusing. So but I also think that now she's older, she's married, she has a job like. Her life is completely different from what it was back then. And so I think the roles that she's choosing now re- is reflective of that. And this was a good example of. Kind of just a shift of just being, just growing up, like, and just having different responsibilities, and your mind is just on different things. Um, and I think she did. Honestly, people, there are, she could have ended up in like really bad situations. And she, I think she did all right. And I think yeah. you have to all collectively kind of give people a break on terms of that. If you want to talk about the performances, and that's fine, but like,
1: her as a person. I don't right? think,
0: yeah, I don't think she should be inspiring strong emotions for anyone. Really, <laughs> like she's yeah. just an actress. Like, just let her do her thing. So, yeah. But, anyways, final thoughts on Causeway.
1: Um, yeah, no, like before, like I, I loved the picture, loved, you know, talking everything about that. You know, my only thing was that whole, you know, out of nowhere, I, I, the idea of hoarding a relationship into it. You know, I'm not a fan of that. Um, and also, I probably wish we had spent more time. Um, I think with the um, the older lady in the beginning, who's taking care of her, I mm-hmm. wish we had spent more time with with her. Because I think about that, like that's like a two minute sequence when she first comes in, and then you know, then she's driving, and she leaves. I wish we had spent more time, you know, with that because it is clear in that brief that I guess how would you describe it? The quick uh, time lapse, I guess. Um, yeah,
0: montage. that
1: montage-ish that she developed the relationship with that older lady in a way that she didn't have with her mother, where she's driving and she panics, and the lady's just like stop the car and and breathe. You mm-hmm. know, like I wish they had they had we spent more time with that because, like I said a while ago, like it clearly illustrated the the relationship and connection she didn't have with her mom when you. When you watch that scene on a second viewing you can see that's kind of what she wanted from a maternal figure in a way and how she was like you can kind of see a bit where she's like i'm ready to go back to the military kind of how she was kind of fighting and she was like she said she kind of wanted to stay with that lady you know Mm. in a way so i wish we kind of got more time with those two together
0: yeah that lady her name is jane and she was also Mm. in little women and she was great in that (laughs) i was like i know you um but yeah i thought this movie was really good again there are issues with it in terms of like trying to have a romantic relationship when you could have just kept it platonic and that abrupt ending but overall i do think it was a really strong film um and just movies that it might not be for everybody but i know for me i really enjoyed it
1: Um, so moving on from that, of course, uh, surprise, surprise—it's not really surprise—but um, you know, Avatar: Way of Water um, has finally been dethroned this weekend as a number one movie. Um, of course, it spent eight weeks in box office theaters, but right now, the current top ten as we head into the last views. So I don't even kind of even count the Oscars as, as the end of the award season because like right after the an Oscars and Baptist, it starts all over again. <laughs> so so I yeah, guess. but it kind of feels like that to me. It feels like the film industry there's always it's always the award season or festival season never really ends. You know, kind of in a way. Um but the top ten for this weekend are Uh, Paran. It is a Indian movie about a spy and a group of mercenaries. That they that uh, it's um, it's second weekend and it's it kind of dropped from um three to number ten. Uh, The Chosen sees a finale, a fandom event. Um, Project, um, is currently at uh number nine this weekend. Missing, um, kind of the sequel to Searching in a way. Um, is currently at um eight a megan um at seven uh a man called auto starring tom hanks is at six puss and boo slash wish at five uh bts uh their concert project uh debuted at number four this weekend after our way of water as i mentioned currently um did drop from number one to number three uh and its current box office earnings. Uh, globally um, well I don't have global numbers for you right now but I do have a uh, domestic it's still one of the uh, <coughs> sorry biggest grossing movies of all time still um, but the movie that beat it out this weekend um, of course the 80 for Brady movie uh, starring Lily Tomlin, Rita Romano on um, the Sally Field that debuted at number two Kind of shocking that it did debut at number two a bit, um, and but I guess you know Tom Brady announcing his retirement probably boosted up those sales, um, and then you had number one, um, which kind of it may prove that he's back, um, and that Shyamalan debuted at number one, um, I've been hearing amazing stuff about it from the performances of Rupert Grint. It's kind of usually the one in the Harry Potter trio that doesn't get the most mentioned, but because most of the projects tend to be more in the UK, but hearing raving reviews about his performance and also the performance of course, Dave Patista as well in that project. So I guess in that Shyamalan is back. I mean the last couple of years, you know, we saw old oh, last year and that movie was just horrific. You know, it seems like his stuff post after Earth have been Rocky. But you know, maybe this is a he comeback made- after Earth. After, Earth. after, after no, is after Earth him I not remember anymore. I don't know. It's been so long ago since I saw that movie, but regardless, it does, <laughs> it does seem like, you know, M. Night, M. Night is back to the M. Night we know and love. So, yeah. Yikes. Okay, well. <laughs> I want to say yikes or M. Night Shyamalan being back. That's not a good sign. It's not a good sign. Yeah, that's, the, that, that's
0: what the yikes was for. Oh, Wow. I don't trust that man to make a good movie anymore. I don't.
1: But if y'all said it's good, okay. Hey, that's a box office set. So, hey,
0: yeah, there wasn't really much coming out um, until I guess what my magic might comes out, I guess, this week. And then Ant-Man, which we'll we'll see what that will do. Um, But yeah. So in other news, Viola Davis achieved EGOT status with her Grammy win for her book, Finding Me. Um, and she said, it's just been such an incredible journey. This is so cool. She said she wrote the book for her six-year-old self. And um, I think that it's just, it's just cool to see, you know, our black stars doing amazing work and, uh, and also just getting the recognition that they definitely deserve. Um, There aren't that many Black entertainers who have the big four. So it's just, but it also is very fitting that it's Viola who is next up because she's been killing it for, I don't know, decades now, I'm sure. (laughs) She's not that old, but yeah. So congratulations, Vi. You did it, babe. I
1: think she's the second Black woman. The first is, I think... Whoopi Goldberg, if I'm correct. Yeah, no, it's third. third?
0: Jennifer Hudson also has a.
1: Oh, she has a. uh, Yes. Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. I didn't think Jennifer Jennifer Hudson got an Emmy for what?
0: I think she did some TV. I can't remember exactly what the TV thing was,
1: but. Can't be for her show, but.
0: (laughs) Oh, maybe for that, actually. Maybe she got a Daytime Emmy for that. I don't know I don't know I don't know. I'm sorry <laughs> I, don't I, don't don't know. Know.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, I did see you know somebody talking about, um I guess on, on Twitter after the Grammys I didn't really watch you know the same issues people have with the Oscars and their voters not watching everything. The same issue happens with the Grammys, but I'm, I feel like I'm more obligated to watch the Oscars because it's a, a genre I'm more familiar with and I love as far as movies, but somebody says um even though out to the crux of you can't put um, V.L. Davis and Meryl Streep in the same category and somebody respond like, yeah, because after her portrayal, Michelle, Michelle Obama, she has to be in her own category, which, well, let's be honest, that Michelle Obama portrayal for them was kind of kind of sketch. That's all oh, I as all see I'm saying. It. Yeah,
0: but I heard it wasn't that great. Yeah, well, I will say. <laughs> I would, I would still put them in the same category because they are like our best in terms of like people who deliver great performances. Um, And if the Michelle Obama thing isn't great, then sorry. (laughs) But I also feel like it's very hard to portray. It's very hard to portray someone who not only is living, but living, living, like very much like (laughs) still kicking around, still doing a lot of work and it's very recent history too i don't know i I don't know if i I wouldn't have taken the job i'll be honest i wouldn't have done it but hey (laughs) um yeah
1: yeah i don't think it's a good idea for actors to take on projects that are about people who are still like famous and alive still Mm -hmm. like you said it's recent history it's not like michelle is like 80 or 70 years old she's yeah. not she's not she's not she's not like you know that age where you know she's like Cicely Tyson you know that kind mm-hmm. of you know, her and Barack are not at that age or they're like they're revered in the black community but not to where we're holding on like every time somebody says like uh Cicely Tyson and everybody thinks she's but I go, oh it's just her birthday she turns like she was she's not in that position to where uh picture on her and barack was necessary i think i think projects who deal with recent history kind of tend to be really bad because
0: yeah you everybody's
1: aware of it time
0: to you know on perspective to really get all the details in especially if they're like in their 50s and 60s like probably guarding a lot of the information that you wanted to you probably want to know you're probably not going to figure that out so but Regardless, I will say that um, in terms of what you said earlier about the Oscars and the Grammys, I feel like you said something earlier, not this episode, but like a couple episodes back, where you were like, the Oscar system isn't perfect, but it is a lot better than others. And I do agree with that because the Grammy system seems completely trash. Like, if you look at the winners or even at the categories, you're like, what? I was so confused and I don't even care about this stuff anymore. Like, I gave up on the Grammys a long time ago, so I don't know what's going on over there. But like. Some of the winners, I was like, how did this person win album of the year? Like, hello, like, did we not know that Renaissance existed? Like, it's just so confusing to me.
1: Look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say two quick things on that one. Um, I think with. um The Grammys. Like it's too broad like they're saying like this old exec is like 70 years old and he's the one who kind of doesn't understand people's you know infatuation with obama oh not obama sorry with uh beyonce and how she is a cultural you know she will pull for, like the like, renaissances you know black house and um queer queer community that kind of like she pulls from different genres like her last album had a lot of country elements like she'll pull and she kind of like once beyonce does that you know the next album that drops from every other artist kind of copies her like Mm -hmm, she kind of mm so for a Samuel person going to understand element of how oh this sound from beyonce is hot i have to copy that he's not going to understand that so he's not going to think it's you know important
0: but Mm -hmm. i do think
1: you know this is me you know I don't think Harry Styles should have won because I don't think a either. like Harry Styles winning is kind of like a Macamore thing, but you know, like the Harry Styles one has united both the Latino diaspora and you know the African diaspora because both wanted Beyonce or Bad Bunny. I only heard one song from the Harry Styles album. That's that Watermelon Sugar song, and that was it. And that's not even it, from this album. That, that's not even from this album, and that makes it worse. That's not even from this album. Like. That's only one song I can say for Harry Styles. Beyonce, Renaissance. I'll be, I'll be like walking on the street, or I'll be in the grocery store. A song will come on. I'll scroll randomly through TikTok, YouTube, or whatever. It'll come on. Bad Bunny. Bad Bunny's making like you see pictures of him fighting, having to like run away from fans. You hear a song wherever you go. Like those two albums, those two artists are really cultural shifts. Whereas Harry Styles, I was like, I guess you know. Like I said yeah. before, my Harry Styles comment is he's trying to emulate the the Bowie Prince dynamic with way less charisma and talent. So
0: and I just hey. don't feel like he deserved the award. Like why? Why? <laughs> Anyways, we're not talking about the yeah. Grammys. Yeah. Yeah,
1: we're we're <laughs> we're filming TV, so we're gonna keep it going. So <laughs> um, so it seems like the dust has finally settled with DC. They actually. Took the Marvel route and actually decided to, you know, announce their game plan, like how Marvel says these are the projects for Phase One, Two, Three, Four. DC James Gunn and um, uh Peter Safran, more so James Gunn announced on Twitter their plans for the next coming um eight or so projects for DC. Um, he's announced. Um, people were kind of concerned as you know. How they do a Robert Patson's uh, Batman movie how they deal with um the flash and all those other projects um they kind of it kind of kind of said you know stuff like because DC has a history of not doing very well and not putting their characters in a shared universe and so they said projects like that like you know Batman hit all uh, Matt Reeves Batman will be its own Elseworlds titles, you know, and going forward, like the same thing with Teen Titans Go, but going forward, we're going to try and make everything a cohesive unit. Kind of like what Marvel said they're doing before with, you know, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Netflix stuff that never really came to fruition because they never really mentioned any of those projects in the movies. But uh, Peter Gunn said going forward, that is the plan. Like, anything dealing with the shared universe, they're all going to be tied no matter what property um, and kind of try and keep the same voice actors in all their projects. Um, he's announced uh, Creature Commandos, which is like a short anthology, seven episodes, that he's basically finished and is already in production. A uh, spinoff, just like Peacemaker, starring John Cena with, with all of those as Amanda Waller. Um, Superman Legacy is kind of... Uh, a reboot a bit of um, of course Henry Cavill's time as Superman and the concerns with Henry Cavill being as Superman was of course I'll go into detail with that later in a upcoming video but he wasn't the person they wanted cast of the role and those decisions with Henry Cavill were made with Walter Hamada on his last legs as uh director for DC Films before he left for Black Adam so you can't really blame G- James Gunn for making a decision he wasn't responsible for like, wow, the person leaving, make those decisions when they're not going to be there. Um, a project I'm looking forward to a lot is a Green Lanterns project, kind of in the vein of True Detective. I've Me, as a comic book fan, a Green Lantern fan, I've always said the best way to probably do that project would kind of be a buddy cop-ish movie. And I'm glad to see that um they're going that direction. Um, Kind of iffy on Greg Berlanti being involved with, knowing how iffy he has been with the CW stuff and kind of how they kind of... Have highs, they have high highs and really low lows, as we see with Flash and Arrow. Uh Authority. A much more kind of more violent take on the Justice League, uh, Paradise Lost, Game of Thrones kind of style dealing with um Wonder Woman and Theron Scare in that whole ancient world, and uh Batman Briever and uh, another sequel to um Robert Pattinson's... um Batman movie, which is Batman Part Two, which um, are slated to release October 3rd, 2025. Looking forward to hearing more information about that. And of course, uh, Booster Goal and our Supergirl, uh, Woman, to- Woman of Tomorrow by Tom King and Swamp Thing. Um, so yeah, really wide range of projects. They are still going forward releasing The Flash. They are still going forward releasing Um The only sad note is people were hoping and praying with the shift in leadership that Batgirl would still be able to be released because it was shelved around the same time Black Adam got released and they had the same reviews um but it looks like they have continued that's the one um thing James Gunn and Peter Safran has you know kept up kept up with the DC people in charge till they came in whereas Batwoman will not be released maybe hopefully maybe it'll be released on HBO Max the same way you know we got uh Zack Sider's version of Just Leak, but we'll see
0: where that goes. So, okay, hey. I believe that this is a good idea when I see it. <laughs> I'm very hesitant on this, but maybe they'll do a good job. Um, in other news, Army Hammer has entered the chat and he has given his first interview post his allegations years ago he faced a series of sexual abuse allegations that ended his career um and he's telling his side of the story now and basically he is saying that the reason he got into BDSM was because he was sexually abused by a youth pastor at 13 um and he admits to being emotionally abusive to the women who he was in relationships in relationships with and because he didn't have power in the situation where he was abused when he was young, he wanted to have control over his, over every situation sexually. And that's kind of why he ended up doing the things that he did and was into the things that he was into. Um, he apparently con- attempted or c- contemplated, excuse me. He contemplated suicide after all the allegations and everything kind of blew up, but he didn't do it because of his children. And he's saying that now he is helping other people get sober and, like, trying to lives around. Basically, he kind of said that his behavior was him being an a-hole, but not, but completely, like, denying any criminal wrongdoing in terms of, like, rape or sexual abuse towards those women. And then he kind of made a snark or a comment about cancel culture saying that like, basically it's BS and whatever. Um, And that Robert Downey Jr. actually helped him out, which was a rumor, but he confirmed it here and helped him get back on his feet. Well, he, well, actually he said the minute anyone does anything wrong, they're thrown away. There's no chance of rehabilitation. And like, I, (laughs) I feel so many different things about this interview, mainly the main thing I feel is like taking, he was kind of taking kind of half accountability where he was admitting that wrongdoing did take place, but it wasn't criminal in that he didn't, you know, abuse or rape these women physically. Because I guess in his mind it was consensual. He does admit that there was a power imbalance because you know he's in his thirties and they were in their early twenties. But I think he is also missing the fact that he those women were coerced in some ways. Like well, actually in all the ways. Like it started off consensual and then he kind of strongly suggested made it seem like there's the only option was to kind of go further and do things that these women weren't comfortable with. So, um. what do you call that? You know, and I don't I don't know. The person who accused him of rape did did drop those charges, but you can't deny that abuse was happening. I believe after watching the documentary and, and those women actually speaking out that it was physically and emotionally an abuse so him not acknowledging that part is kind of just like a testament to like him I don't know not trying to take full accountability for the situation and just blaming it on him being an a-hole and I'm like no that's predatory behavior like that's not you just being a dick like it's it's way more than that and if you can't see that then obviously you have more work to do I will say that like Yes, I agree on some level of like, in terms of like how cancel culture works, where it's, you know, we call these people out um, and they lose everything, right? But they're like, what do we do with them after that? Like, if they if they choose to get help and if they choose to try to be better, what do we say to that societally? I don't know. But I also feel like if you're not safe to be around, like. <laughs> In terms, like, if you're on set and people don't feel safe around you, then maybe you don't have space there anymore. Like, maybe that's just it. Um, And again, I feel like we talked about this. There are certain degrees where it's like, if you're on a Weinstein-Cosby type of level, like, obviously, no prison. Like, prison is the option. Like, that's the only option in in those cases. When you're talking about moral failings, though, I don't know what we do with those folks because it does feel like... And again, you can debate on whether this is, what he did was criminal. I think that, I don't know, unless someone presses charges, then it won't be. But um, it definitely was unethical. So again, what do we do with these people, you know, who do really bad things, but haven't committed crimes? I don't know. Again, don't have the answers for any of these, but I'm just throwing it out there. Like, I, I... I'm very conflicted on his everything. I don't. Re- uh, yeah, I just feel very <laughs> conflicted about <laughs> Army Hammer just overall.
1: But yeah, yeah, it's um, it's kind of an apology, kind of not apology in a way. Mm-hmm. Um. I do but I do think I feel for him you know whatever happened to him as a child whatever yeah because it is an actual thing you know it's it's known and documented that a lot of people who have had those situations put upon them kind of their way of dealing with it is to put other people in those situations and not being fully emotionally aware of the hurt that they were caused to them Is they're putting other people um this explain to why bullies bully they come from people poems where they're not loved and so they're taking out other people um i do i'm surprised to see him um own up to admitting the power dynamics at play were wrong and admitting a million percent that he was emotionally abusive towards women not the physical side just just emotional you know mm-hmm. you know the mm-hmm. scars you can't see i was wrong for it, but the scars you can't see no that's not on me I do, I do think he is kind of right to a degree with the viewpoint of catch caller, as you said. Um, If you're a person who's actively trying to seek out help, I do, you should be held to a degree in the the vehement light because he kind of really didn't say anything in the situation; just kind of went away to deal with stuff. Whereas, opposite of like Weinstein and Cosby, you know, um, we've had Deshaun Watson in the NFL; they were like, "Nah, I ain't do nothing." Uh, You know, loud and boisterous. He just went away and said, "All right, fine." And just left hmm. and went out about went out about his business. Um, and it's also weird he brought up right down in situation. Robert was totally different. Robert was like taking drugs and stuff. Like yeah. so exactly. Robert was that's causing Robert was causing harm to his own body, not to anybody else's, my boy. So I don't think that's really a good comparison, but um even even the the stus I'm gonna say 50 to 75 percent of accountability he's holding at least he is holding a, accountability um that a lot of these other actors or whoever celebrities do not tend to hold they kind of oh you're canceling I me mean, they complain and wail about it um look you're a multimillionaire. people don't want you to work anymore you've made your money at that point i'm like all right fine do what y'all want to do i'm sitting on a massive bank i can retire while the rest of you people kind of have to work You know, so I don't understand their whole their whole fighting, but I do think it is kind of a sign of maturity that he is willing to acknowledge the part he played and the the, and the hurt he causes women, even though he wasn't all the way there admitting to the physical stuff. At least he's admitted something and maybe another year down the line as he's still processing and dealing with stuff, he will probably admit that he was probably physically abusive in a way that he shouldn't have been. So.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I feel very weird about it. I do feel very sorry about his abuse at a young age. I feel like I, I made a video about this actually that he just seemed like a person he was in a lot of pain. Like he just seemed like he was holding on to a lot of pain. And when you watch the House of Hammer documentary it seemed like it's a generational passing down mm. of pain. Um, and then to have this which is I mean, it's so terrible when anyone abuses their power on children. That's awful. And so I do feel terrible for that. Um, It doesn't excuse the behavior, but I do feel like it it is stemmed from a place of trauma. Um, But I also feel like I don't, I I just, I don't know about the whole, I don't know if he is saying this genuinely or if it's like maybe a plan to hopefully get back and do what be an actor because he doesn't doesn't seem like he has a lot of money it seems like i think what i've heard is that he was like selling timeshares or whatever wherever he was staying like he had to get a different job um his family has money but not that much according to what (laughs) what was revealed in the documentary it doesn't seem like uh, there's a lot of money for everyone left in that family i'm not sure if they still have the fortune that they used to, it seemed like that was kind of drained away somewhere in the process back in like the nineties. But I don't know. I think his wife is still working. His ex-wife, his ex-wife is still working. So like the kids will be fine. But in terms of him, I don't know. Again, it's like, it's giving me that Shia LaBeouf vibe where it's like I'll own up to like certain things, but not everything, because I still want to be justified in Being innocent in terms of like actually physically doing something to other people, because Shia LaBeouf had that same had that same you know monologue where he was like, "Yes, I've I've caused hurt, but but I didn't do anything. Like I didn't physically do anything wrong, though." And it's like, I, I, I I don't see how one is more okay than the other one. Like, you know, you can admit to it. Fine, I'm sure. I'm happy you're taking some. I'm not happy, but at least you're taking. I mean, that's the bare minimum, really, to take some accountability for this. But I don't like the parsing of issues. Yeah. it kind of just seems like
1: you're sidestepping kinda, the problem, right?
0: You're sidestepping what actually happened, and you're also invalidating those other people's experiences by not addressing it. Yeah. So that's how I feel about that. And
1: uh, yeah. I- mm. And I, I kind of don't view him and Shia's situation as the same, whereas him for Army Hammer, it was one, well, multiple moments that kind of got revealed at the same time, whereas with Shy, it's you did something Tuesday, you said you're sorry, you did another thing Friday, you said you're sorry, you did the same thing again you Saturday, you said you're sorry, and Shy is like... Something happens. I'm sorry. Something happens. I'm sorry. Something like hell. Shia is now in here in Atlanta shooting with uh with Francis Ford Coppola. Like you know. (laughs) So yeah, I I I do think at least like shy. didn't like like and he was gonna do what. Don't worry, darling. Until him and uh, Olivia got got into it, and then she they cast um Harry Styles. Like he was Harry. Like. Shia was still getting projects. The only projects she got written out of were a mid-level, the mid-level transformer stuff, which now has Mark Wahlberg and Indiana Jones. And that was because of the Indiana Jones movie he was in didn't do that good. But other than that, Shia was still working after repeatedly causing problems. So,
0: I meant I I meant similarly in terms of like the allegations that played oh, like okay, specifically, okay. yeah put up against him and he in his response was the same response that army hammer gave which is like yes i've caused her but i didn't do anything
1: criminal that's that and that's what i'm saying like yeah at least arnie arnie is like he like he lost like two projects and then stepped back shia lost two projects as like fuck it i'm still acting you know
0: well and that my thing and first of all that's terrible one because if you do certain things and you have to have consequences and no one was holding Shia accountable for any of the things that he was doing. Nothing. That's the reason why he kept was able to work. Now that we're in a different climate, Army doesn't have any work. His agent dropped him. Like, he, there's no, <laughs> there's no like, oh, just like go off for a little bit and you can come back later. Like that, that was not a thing that happened in the situation. Um, so, I feel like what happened to Army, I don't want to say because I don't know. I don't I don't want to say it in terms of like that should have happened to Shia, but I do feel it like should that have. it should have, it should should, have it had should have. the same kind of consequences in terms of you don't get to work anymore. Like, that's it. <laughs> like, it, sorry, we, we lost out on a brilliant person, Dakota Johnson. But like, in terms of like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like,
1: look, it should have happened to Shia. If if Robert Downey Jr. can be taking drugs and not causing harm to anybody but himself, and go to, and lose projects even after coming out of jail and going through rehab and not, not till he does kiss his bang bang and then he does like, and then he, then he does Iron Man, you know, if without those two projects, you know, like after Robert got out of jail, he wasn't acting for like a long time. Robert Young Jr. had consequences, Artie Hammer, consequences. Shia should have had consequences, but yeah, yeah, so anyway. Um moving on into n- n- much less contentious and you know volatile fair. still kind of volatile because it's it deals with people's money. Um, Netflix, uh, earlier of the past weekend, um announced that they would be putting an end to their whole password sharing thing. They're the only streaming platform that has kind of, a voice to discuss after this, after their whole part of their whole marketing campaign at one point was love is sharing in regards to their passwords. Um, Netflixs and after very. Very, if very negative reactions from it, um, they're kind of trying to walk back that statement. They're now trying to say that their rules on the password sharing was released by a mistake um and they kind of want they kind of spun it as saying those rules are only going to apply to chile costa rica and per, peru and they've only going gone live in those other countries point blank period a rule of netflix already causing a lot of bullshit by changing their prices and then changing you know this price has as kind of like hulu but hulu kind of defined it now they're saying, hey. Standard Netflix, you're going to have ads now. Your price is still going to go up. And then from then on, everybody gets a different price range. That was really divisive. And now to saying, hey, if you're not in the primary or initial sign-up devices, you know, ISP, you know, every 30 days, your account will be blocked. You know, that puts a lot of people who are off at college away from their family. That puts a lot of people who travel a lot at barriers, you know, I share, I let my family know my Netflix password, you know, that doesn't mean my dad knows how to log into it, you know, when he needs to, he just goes, clicks Netflix and watches. So if, if I forget to log in one day in that 30 day window, he's SOL, you know, cause he can't watch them. And I don't know, they're trying to walk it back, but I do think it's a, it's a bad, it's a bad business move on their part. They're probably going to see a massive exodus of people leaving their platform pretty soon due to this.
0: Yeah. And also because they don't have, like, that many properties that people are interested in. Like, once Stranger Things is over, Netflix is really, like, <laughs> yeah. they don't got a lot going for them. So, yeah, I would be careful how I step Netflix. That's all I have to say.
1: Yeah, Netflix is not, like, they're not, like, you know, Hulu has the backing of, you know, Disney, you know, mm-hmm. who has th- their, their feet and other things, so does mm-hmm. really affect them the same thing with apple tv apple com- apple computers you know same all these other HBO. Yeah. hbo paramount has their movies like netflix is the only one who is not doesn't have had doesn't have the same uh backup as the other entities do and especially that we've known the last couple of years they've been shelling out a lot of movie for these in-house movies with mixed reviews, their Netflix original movies, which they spend a lot of money on, and don't get the same rate of return. So,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. Mm.
0: Moving on to other companies doing the absolute most, um, we have AMC theaters are changing its ticket pricing based off of like where you sit. So um, they have announced that the price of tickets will not be based on seat location, meaning seats in the front will be cheaper, while more desirable seats in the middle now will cost more. Um, and they'll roll it out over in roughly 1,000 movie theaters by the end of the year. And 3 Pricing tiers will be soon offered. For example, the highest and preferred tier are in the middle of the theaters, and we price at a slight premium compared to its standard tier, which the theater chains say will remain the most common choice and will be sold for the additional cost of a ticket. Um, the third tier is not called value, which are the seats in the front row of the theaters and will cost less than its standard tier. I mean, like, I get it because like movie theaters are really struggling. You know, post pandemic, like I understand the need to get people in. I know in terms of like regal theaters, they're closing a lot of their theaters around the country. And I understand the issue. However, (laughs) ticket prices are already expensive, especially depending on like where you live. Like if you live in a more metropolitan city, like those prices will be ridiculous. Like try to go to an AMC in Times Square, that will cost you like $20 flat add the taxes add the snacks that you want to get like that's gonna run you a cool amount of money just to watch one movie so the idea that you have to now pay for seating like and to have good seats (laughs) you gotta pay more is just annoying because it's like the price of admission is already ticking up so now I have to pay more just to get a good seat and it's just like Really, all like, did we? It's just, yeah, it's annoying. It's annoying for moviegoers who go to the movies a lot, like for me and you and the like. Like that's just gonna be yeah. a headache.
1: Yeah. Like it really is. And it and it's it sucks because it sucks double for me because yeah, a lot of the times if I can't get an advanced screening to a project for free, I end up shelling out for AMC and I I am an AMC rewards member so I'm paying extra already mm-hmm. um on a monthly fee for the rewards to get a discount on my movie tickets and it's to the point where the movie theater close to me is like i want to say twelve dollars standard for adults right. i will drive up to where our office used to be in decatur like 20 minutes away from my house just because i know standard that ticket is like seven dollars i will drive 20 extra minutes to save like five extra dollars to see the same movie you know people and people have already been doing that. Like you said, Regal Cinemas is, is closing like 30 theaters, I think. And mm. I, and AMC was the main AMC was the main movie chain complaining about the pandemic, how nobody's watching and stuff like that. You think people are going to go to your theater now? And the thing is, and the worst part is because AMC is the largest one. AMC is kind of like the the Walmart of theaters. They're mm. everywhere. So yeah. if this project fails and a lot of AMCs have to close. Uh, that means a lot of people who would go like who would now have to go to uh um uh to have to go to like Regal Cinemas or other theaters which are further or cinemark which are tend to be further away because mm-hmm. there's so few of them. So now those those places knowing hey AMC's not there, I have no competition. This ticket price was like 10, now it's 20. Now those mm-hmm. prices are gonna go up as well. So it's a lose lose for a uh on amc as a corporate side and for people who want to watch movies it doesn't it's just as dumb as netflix it makes no no financial sense at all you know
0: yeah i'm lucky that my regal cinema is not closing and it's the closest one to me but there are certain movies that you can't see there like i remember i had to go travel to see crimes of future at the amc theater that was 30 minutes away from where i live um, and there are movies like that where they're not going to show in these smaller movie theaters. So you do have to travel. So you're yeah. adding travel time on top of a higher ticket price, just to go just to go to a movie theater that's going to have like ten people in it. I'm yeah. sorry, that makes no freaking and, sense. Yeah,
1: and 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 that's the thing. AMC like AMC has a thing. I don't know if people if you go not AMC slick, but AMC um like it's like some gold thing.
0: Whereas mm-hmm. those
1: small indie projects will get played in AMC, but it's not every AMC. so you'll have like probably have like eight AMC's value. It's probably going to play in two. Like, yeah for, so for people like us who like watching kind of not mainstream films, they're gonna have to travel further because if those AMCs close that don't, that don't show like the one by me does not show most of those, those projects mm-hmm. like. I'd have to go to Decatur. And if the Mm. one in Decatur is one of the ones that closes, I'm SOL. I'm going to have to wait until it goes on a streaming platform or anything else to get an opportunity to watch one of those movies. So, yeah. So it's dumb.
0: Dumb. It's dumb. Dumb. (laughs) It's dumb. That's the wrap up for this segment. It's dumb. Okay, moving on to our last segment. Our weekly recommendations or basically what we watched. So, Dale, what
1: did you watch? Um, uh, I decided to watch The Card Counter. As, far as you know, everybody's well, yeah. As far as I was gonna say, Pedro Pascoe, but it's Oscar Isaac. The kind of in the same vein, everybody loves both Pedro and they're Oscar brothers. Isaac. They might they're as well brothers. be brothers. They, they're yeah. tw- they're twins. Everybody they're loves twins. Both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, it came out in twenty twenty one. It premiered at Venice, uh, in twenty twenty one. Um. Yeah, this movie is, of course, Oscar Isaac does an amazing job in this project of playing a former. Um, basically, he was in the prison military for. It's kind of based on his characters. One of the uh a Guantanamo prison card who a couple years ago got it got um exposed for abusing a lot of his on um, prisoners and stuff like that. So that's his character's background, and he's dealing with uh a lot of remorse to the points where he kind of just has. Wants to kill himself, but doesn't want to do it himself. He wants somebody else to do it for him as kind of a penance in a way. Um, kind of don't know why Tiffany Hatcher's in this movie could have been anybody. Um, uh, Ty Sharon kind of does a, a good job as a kind of borderline broken, kind of crazy person in a way. Um, but I can see why this movie was not post Venice, why it wasn't that, um, well, it kind of had a very mid-level like, viewpoints on it or reaction to everybody, which I kind of see now. It's beautifully done. Oscar's an like, amazing job. And it's kind of more of a psychological side, dealing with a, a broken character and how he's trying to go about trying to get into a pattern. He just plays poker all the time to do anything else and trying to just get into a pattern and a rhythm and maintain that. And his life gets um goes into upheaval due to Tyler sharing his character. But other than that, it's kind of... Uh, kind of an even keel. Nothing that either draws you one a spectrum or the opposite of the spectrum. So, yeah.
0: Okay. A movie, but I did watch an interview with Hans Zimmer for 60 Minutes, um, and that was so cool. Like, he is just a cool dude. Like, he was... Um, in his early career, he was a part of a band that basically were like the first people or the first band to ever have a music video <laughs> debut on MTV, which is really cool. I was like, oh, that's an interesting little nugget that I didn't know before. But also just how he creates music. Like, obviously, Hans Zimmer is a legendary, iconic composer who has done so many different films. I think he said over like 134, maybe like, a bit over that, um, has some of the most recognizable score you'll ever hear in a film, and the fact, he's just so good at it, like, and he has, from what I've gained from the interview, he has so much fun doing it as well, he, like, built his own soundscapes, like, building your own instruments to make different kinds of, like, he recorded every, like, instrument in an orchestra, just so he can have it in kind of, play around with it as the years or as each project pops up, which is really cool. Um, Score is so important to movies. And so it's like a huge part of storytelling. So for him to just always be enjoying it and feeling like he's actually at the start of his career where he's like just getting started with these ideas and stuff. It's very cool, very inspiring. He's working on doing part two right now. So I can't wait. I can't wait for how that sounds. I can't freaking wait for that movie. I'll talk about it more as more stuff comes out. But like I'm so excited. And yeah, his score was a huge part of that film too, but just a part of like every film that he's done. Just really, really, really talented. Um, and he's having fun with it, which I think is awesome. Um, so yeah, I watched that. And then I finally watched Birdman by Alejandro Iñárritu, another iconic director. This movie is like, I've seen so many people, so many like film lovers just absolutely love this movie. And it is great. It might be one of my favorite movies now. Like, I can't wait to go back and watch it again. It's so good. Um, First of all, it's incredibly ambitious to try to do a movie seemingly all in one take. Um, that's incredible, technically, but also the actors. Like, I don't even know, because it literally, it, obviously it's not filmed in one take. You, I don't you can't do that. But the way that it has been put together and edited, it really feels like you are with these characters from beginning to the end. Um, the shaky cam, well, not shaky cam, but like the handheld camera movements are really good but also after like two hours it does kind of give you a headache because you feel like i don't know a little weird about it like you're in a different place but not only was the technical aspects phenomenal but the performances were incredible michael keaton did an amazing job um i i don't know if he won an oscar for this but uh, i'm not sure alejandro won an oscar for this this was best picture when it came out this won that Emma Stone gives maybe her best performance ever. I, I didn't see the favorite. I'm sure she did a great job in that too. But like, she killed this role. um I haven't seen her act that well, <laughs> or maybe it's not her acting that <laughs> well. I just don't think this was this was like on another level performance in terms of like seeing her skill. Because I think for a lot of her career, she's always been playing like the funny quirky girl, and in this one, it wasn't that. It was very different, and I really loved her in that role. Um, but all the actors, Edward Norton, the, the girl from Two, to Leslie, Andrea Rosenberg, she was in that movie too. I was like, girl, what are you doing here? Um, Naomi Watts, like phenomenal actors. The script was fast paced, snappy, lots of dialogue. That's like- I love that. I love when characters are constantly talking. Um, So that was just fairly sharply written. Great insight into like being an actor, what it means to like be celebrity, whatever that is. Um, Because the character used to be a big superhero character and now he's trying to do theater and be more serious. And so there's like... It's ego, it's acting, it's artistry, it's theater versus film. It's all like all the discussions that we basically have on this, <laughs> on this platform. They were talking about it, but obviously in like an elevated, scripted way. Um, but everything was phenomenal. Like I totally understand why this film is what it is in terms of like film lore. Cause it's just so good. Like so many memorable moments paced incredibly well like for an almost two hour movie it was paced excellently and then there's like visual effects that you don't expect and it's just really engaging to watch as a viewer um talking about themes that are kind of dark and a little but kind of dark with a sense of humor on it so yeah it was a phenomenal movie highly
1: recommend everyone go see
0: it it's on HBO on max
1: yeah i i i I think that's one of those movies where if you're like, people don't realize how important rehearsal is during production, like, oh, we're just going to go over and do basic blocking. But, you know, Michael Key and Emma Stone, they were, they were, they mentioned like in the behind the scenes stuff when they were talking about this movie, like the amount of, like, because it's kind of... A continuous shot with a lot of Texas switches and indie camera switches. probably Martin, they said the amount of rehearsal they actually had to do was almost on par with the actual time they spent filming. Mm-hmm. Um, and that show and it shows this movie and it- This project is also like you talk about how it's being—it's kind of meta as far as talking about you know the superhero film genre and all uh, the actors want to be taken seriously. It was—it's kind of self-fucked on Mike keep himself because he was—that was him at one point because. Yeah he went from being being a not even just that he went from being a comedic actor like Beetlejuice and then hey Beetlejuice funny guy you're not gonna be Batman and Batman still wants to be a serious actor or comedic actor and that's also something Michael Keane has been fighting with his whole career like the last superhero project he did was the Spider-Man movie Mm. because he was trying to be so far from away from that because people still view him as Batman, and He's also now returning to the flash movie that's coming out as batman so he himself was fighting so much not to be a part of that world so it's kind of funny he plays that in this movie so
0: Mm -hmm. which is the irony is not lost on any of us yeah (laughs) but yeah it was so good like incredible literally instantly one of my favorite movies just because of everything just everything put together was just like
1: phenomenal
0: Yeah, and so that is it from us this week. We hope you're taking care of yourself and you're good. Make sure to check out all of our social media. Support us if you can, and we will see you guys in the next episode. Bye. Au revoir.